morning. <laughs> Good morning. Wednesday, we're feeding the homeless this Wednesday. I'm going to be gone too. Uh, the next women's Bible study is November 3rd, 6 p.m. here. The next men's Bible study is November 5th at 9 a.m. At Starbucks. Yeah. The next youth night is November 10th at 6 p.m. here. We'll see. Yes. And then sign up for email updates and email once a week or check out the calendar on the website. Um, the website's pretty cool. It's very informative. Just so you know. Let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to come together to learn more about you, more about your son, more about your spirit, more about um, this life that you've called us to live. I just ask that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to hear your words, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would guide us. We just ask that you would, um, that the words spoken here today would be your words, not mine, that you would. Watch over us, that you would help us to be a light and a witness this week as we go out into the world, into our lives, into our jobs, into our schools, that we would represent you well, that we would um, share with others the work that you've done in our lives. Thank you for all the ways you guide and provide for each of us. I ask that you would um, just watch over us, that you would protect us physically, but protect us spiritually also. That you would keep the enemy from lying to us and deceiving us. That you would draw us closer to you. Watch over our nation and our leaders. Draw them closer to you. Watch over our community. This community would be a light and a witness to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. But we're going to spend the majority of our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you need a Bible, I have it for you. So Romans chapter 12, starting here in verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we're to live our lives as a living sacrifice to serve Jesus. When we ask Jesus into our lives, we become a new creation. Um, and he begins to, to change us, begins to transform us. And that's what Paul's saying. Let God transform you. Change the way you're thinking. Let go of your old way of thinking and, and let God transform your thoughts towards him. We learned last week that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And that that's what Paul is talking about here. Transforming our ways and our thoughts to more thinking, not of our immediate needs here on earth, but of our overall needs, our eternal needs. Not storing up treasures here on earth, but storing up treasures in heaven. And that when we, when we let God transform our thoughts, when we look at things with an eternal perspective, 
God begins to reveal his will for our lives. And that's what Paul is calling us to do, to be this living sacrifice with how we live our lives. Everything we should do in our lives should reflect Jesus' love for us. We are not the light, but he is. So we'll continue on here in verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest with your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So, God measures success not by the world's standards, you know, how rich am I, how popular am I, how many things do I have, that's the world's way of measuring success, how many followers do I have on Instagram, how many people listen to what I say, no, God measures success by our faith, how faithful are we to him, that's how he measures success, that's what's counted when our eternal riches at the Bama seat of Christ will be judged, will be rewarded for our faith in Christ. The things that we did in faith. When he asked us to do something, did we do it? When it didn't make sense, when we didn't understand it, did we do it? We read about Noah and the ark and that he built this ark and it took him a hundred years to build and there was no such thing as rain at the time. I'd never seen rain. So how much faith does that take to follow God. We read that Noah is a faithful man and that he'll be rewarded for that kind of faith. So when God asks us to do something that doesn't make sense by the world's standards, do we follow him? Are we willing to obey him? And that's what God determines a measure of success by. Not by how much we have, but by how faithful we were to him. So verse 3 is important. It aligns everything in our lives that... Our rewards, our faithfulness is what God sees as acceptable and pleasing. So continuing on here in verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So now Paul's talking about the body of Christ, the church. And what the church is. And that we each have a role in the church. We're not all arms or feet. We each have um, a different role. And that we're not to despise our role and covet someone else's role. That we're to, in faith, step out as a living sacrifice and do what God's asked us to do. Our role, our plan, and our purpose that he has for us. So, continuing on in verse 6. In his grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So now Paul is introducing us to the spiritual gifts. Um, We've heard it talk, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, other people have called it. um, These supernatural abilities that God gives to his believers to, to carry out the plan and purpose that he has for them. He's called us each to something different, each to a different role. We're all part of the same body, the body of Christ, Jesus' church, but we each have our own jobs. And that's what Paul's going to talk about here, and that God gives us this supernatural ability to perform the different tasks that he's called us to. So we're going to look at a few different areas of the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts, and, and that way that we understand what all the spiritual gifts are. So the, the next place that we'll look at spiritual gifts is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse, chapter 4, verse 10. If I get behind up there, Kylie, you need to say something. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And we're just going to take it 
looked at a few different areas of the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts and that call out those spiritual gifts. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. So here we're told that these gifts that we have were to use them to serve one another. So our gifts are to be used to serve others. So they're not for ourselves necessarily, but they're to serve others. So the next place that we'll go and we'll look at the spiritual gifts is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And pretty much all of chapter 12, Paul is speaking on spiritual gifts. So we're going to go through and we're going to read all of chapter 12. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting here in verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So Paul's starting to, to define what some of these spiritual, before he gets into the spiritual gifts, people were claiming to have these abilities, but if they were cursing Jesus, that didn't come from God. And that if they declared that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, that that did come from God, from the Spirit. So there's clear definition there when people are using their spiritual gifts if they were really from the spirit of God or if they were from some other spirit so there are different kinds continue on here in verse 4 there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of them all there are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord God works in different ways but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. So again, these gifts are given so that we can help each other is what we're told. So we can serve others. That's the, what God gives us these gifts for. That they're not selfish gifts. They're not to, for us to be able to accumulate or gain something that we're to serve others with these gifts. So continuing on here in verse 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, 
and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Or if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But if our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So again, we're told these gifts, our jobs are to care for each other. And that we're not to compare our gifts. We're not to say that this role that you've called me to, God, I don't like this. I should be this over here. I should be doing what this person is. That's where you've messed up, God. You've screwed this up somehow. Paul say, no, you can't say that. That you shouldn't despise the gifts that you have or the calling that God's called you to and covet what someone else is doing or what someone else has. Paul is saying that God has called each one of us to a plan and a purpose. That God made us just the way he did. And the way he made us, he has a plan and a purpose for us. That we're to serve him and to serve others. And that we're to live our lives as a sacrifice. Our whole lives. Everything that we do is to, to serve God first and to serve others. Right? And that it's our choice. We can live that life. We can be that living sacrifice. Our bodies can be that living sacrifice. We can do what God's asked us to do. Or we can choose not to. And we can choose to do our own thing and to um, live our lives apart from God or live our lives apart from what he's called us to do or fight against what God's called us to do um, and despise it and covet what something else has, what someone else is doing. Um, because somehow we've seen that as a more honorable role or a more prestigious role or a better role than what we have. And we all have a job, just like our bodies. Our ears have a job, our eyes have a job, our mouth has a job, our hair has a job. It all has a job. And it's without any one part of it, the body wouldn't function properly. So we're each to do what God's called us to do in the body of Christ, in the church, the roles to serve others, right? Not to serve ourselves, but to serve others in the capacity that God's called us to. And that God has given us these supernatural abilities to to serve others to um, to guide us to do things that we couldn't do apart from God so we see that I think we see that all throughout the Bible but one place that you see that is in the story of Moses where Moses God's called Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh to free the people. And what does Moses say? Well, I can't. I can't speak very well. So maybe he had a speech impediment or something. And, and Moses is thinking, in this human realm, this right here, right now thinking, Moses is thinking, I can't do that. You've called the wrong person. Give me another job, God. You've got this wrong. But what God is really calling Moses to is to trust in him. To understand that God has a plan and a purpose and that he didn't, bring you this far Moses to fail that if you do struggle with speeching with speech that God could give you that supernatural ability to speak his word 
that we read about. We read about that was one of the spiritual gifts and that God could do that through Moses. So yes, oftentimes we don't want to do what God's called us to do or fulfill the role that he's called us to because we don't think that we can. And apart from God, we're absolutely correct. Apart from God, we can't fill that role. But with God, with his supernatural abilities that he's gifted us, we can fulfill the role that he's called us to. But apart from Christ, we can't do anything. With Christ, all things are possible. So we'll continue on here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts of God's the here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are the apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. So together we're Christ's body, we're Jesus' church, that's what we are, and we each have a role in that church. We each have a job in Jesus' church to fulfill. And the, the whole purpose of it is to serve others, to edify others, to build others up, to encourage others, to strengthen others in their walk with Jesus. So continuing on here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. So, verse 31 here. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So, what gifts should we desire? We should desire the gifts that are most helpful in the situation we're in. And it's plural. Gifts is plural. We don't just have one gift and that's all God gives us. God gives us multiple gifts. But we should desire the one gift or the gifts that help us in the situation we're in. So if at times you have the, the gift of... At times if you have the, the gift of, of giving, but people aren't in need, what they really need is, is a, um, an understanding of God's word or some help with in a, understanding God's word the gift of giving them a, a gift doesn't do them any good, right? What they really need is for you to, to talk it through with them, to explain, well, this is what the Bible says, and this is what God says, right? And that's that supernatural gift of teaching that all of us can possess at one time or another. But the most desirable gifts are the ones for that situation. So, so we shouldn't desire gifts, this is who I am, this is the only gift I have. That's not what Paul's saying here. That's not... Um, how I understand it to be, that we all have multiple gifts and that those gifts can change depending on the situation we're in. And that whatever the situation we're in, when we turn to Christ, when we turn to God and ask him for help, that he will help us, that he'll guide us through it. He'll give us these gifts, these supernatural abilities to do the work that only he can do through us. So, and then Paul ends on verse 31. But now let me show you the best, the way of life that is best of all. So if we were to continue reading, and we got into to Corinthians chapter 13. This is the end of verse, or chapter 12. Chapter 13 is, is the, the chapter of love, where he explains what love is. And how you can have all of these spiritual gifts, but if you don't have love, they're all useless. Without love, there is no work you can do for God, right? God is love. God gave us that example by sacrificing his son. And what is love? Love is a sacrificial, um, love is not a feeling, but a sacrificial thing that we can do for others. We can lay down our lives to serve others. And that's what Paul's calling us here in the very beginning of Romans, to lay down our lives, to live a sacrificial life, choosing to deny ourselves, 
to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, right? Deny ourselves, pick up our cross, serve others, and follow Jesus. And that's, the, that's what love is. And without love, none of these gifts are any good. Love has to be first. We have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. That when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to lay down our lives, when it's not about us, but God, I don't want to do this. God, this isn't right. God, this is unjust. You should make this right. You should fix this, God. You should change this situation in my life. No. When we're willing to lay all that aside and love others, sacrificing ourselves, our own desires, our own feelings, our own thoughts, lay down our, our lives, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. And a lot of times picking up our cross is serving others, right? Praying for others, praying for our enemies, praying for our friends. So, Now, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11. So we've covered a lot of spiritual gifts, and we'll sum them all up. We'll give you a whole list. But this is one of the last areas of the Bible that, that calls out specific spiritual gifts. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So Paul's called out different gifts. But here, we've read both in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and here in Ephesians, that these gifts were called out for the sole purpose of equipping God's people to do the work that God's called them to do, to build them up, to build up the church, to build the body of Christ. Those, those specific gifts, are, that's what they're for. But if you were quickly writing down all the gifts we just listed, your list should look something like this. Spiritual gifts that we've listed so far are the gift of prophecy, the gift of great faith, the gift of serving others, the gift of exhorting, comforting, and encouraging, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of kindness, the gift of speaking God's words, the gift of strength, and not just physical strength, but in the terms of energy or endurance, the gift of wisdom, the gift of a word of knowledge, the gift of healing, the gift to perform miracles, the gift of discernment, the gift of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And then some giftings that are kind of in roles at the church. He listed apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which those two go together. It's hand in hand. It's not one without the other, pastor and teacher. But then we've also listed just teachers, which is a different gift. Miracle workers, gift of healing, the gift of helping others, leadership, and again, the gift of tongues. And we kind of get a lot of these from the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then the more specific roles in the, the last half of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So there's many gifts here that I read about, that we've read through. Yeah. And we wanted not just to take the ones we read about in Romans, but to cover them all. Because I think oftentimes people get caught up with, what is my one gift? And while I can maybe go along the lines of maybe you have one gift that God uses in your life more than others, I, I don't think that we just have one gift. I think we have multiple gifts um, that God can use us in. I think of the, 
the gift of giving. You know, all of us can be generous at times, but this is a supernatural gift of um, being more giving of your time, your talent, your treasures than just the, the standard giving. You know, you're going above and beyond in a way that can only be explained by God's work in your life. Um, the gift of leadership, the gift of kindness. Um, all these are, are not just acts that we're doing, but gifts that God's given us kind of above and beyond. Speaking in his words, strength, wisdom, a word of knowledge, the gift to perform miracles and healing, um, discernment to understand, um, is this from the Holy Spirit or from another spirit that we've been talking about, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So there's many, many gifts that we have, and we all have a gift. We all have multiple gifts that God has used in our lives at different points at different times. Um, and I think that this can be an area of struggle. One, if I'm not sure what gifts I have, I've had that struggle. Well, I'm not sure what gifts God really has for me. I've heard it taught a lot that you should have one gift and you should do that one really well. well. I've struggled with that in my own life. I don't know the one gift that I have. I've seen God give me gifts in my life um, that... I can use well at different times. So I don't go with the one, but I think we have multiple gifts. And I think that we can pray and ask God, God, help me to understand the gifts that you've given me and the role that you've called me to do. What you would like me to do in this life. How can I serve you, God? How can I be this living sacrifice to you? Because remember, we'll go back to, to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. That's how this all started. All this started... Paul's talk in chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. So, Paul is pleading with us to give our bodies to God, wholeheartedly to God, to be a living and holy sacrifice. This is truly the way to worship God, is to serve him with all we are. All we are physically, all we are spiritually, all we are mentally, our thoughts, our desires, the, everything we do should be to serve God. And when we do that, that's truly how we worship God. Um, we had a time of worship before, where we get to sing songs of praises to him. And is that a form of worship? Absolutely. But is um, serving others a form of worship? Yes. Is being obedient to what God's called you to do a form of worship? Yes. Is giving of your time a form of worship? Yes. All of these are a form of worship. All these gifts that God has given us is a form and a way to worship him. And we can choose to be that living sacrifice with our lives to serve him, or we can choose to not to serve ourselves. Um, but there's really no in-between. We're either serving him or we're serving our own selfish desires, our own sinful desires. Um, and there is no neutral ground. There's no, I'm just a good person in this life. I just do the best I can. No, we can choose to serve him with all we are, or we can choose to serve ourselves. And that's really what it comes down to. And then Paul continues on in verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So don't copy what the world's doing. We've been conformed to the world and, and, and have that mindset, that way of thinking. And now we've been saved. We've been a new person, a new creation is what we're told. And then with that new creation, we can choose to live this new life. Let God transform the way we think. Well, the world would tell me this. The world would tell me I'm not a very good speaker. Like in the case of Moses, I can't do this, God. You've called me, you've called the wrong person. No, God doesn't make mistakes. And we'll, when we finish verse 2 here, we'll understand that. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. So when God called Moses... Even with, if he had a speech impediment, even with that, if God called Moses to speak his word, 
that that was a good and pleasing and perfect decision on God's part. And that God is going to use Moses' weakness to show God's strength. And that's how God does things. God uses our weaknesses to show his strength. God uses the things that we could never do on our own to work through us. God doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. And we become saved. We believe in God. But now Paul is saying, take it one step further. Live your life, your whole life, everything you are to serve God. And that is how you truly worship him. And that when God has called you into something that is bigger than you, that you really can't do, that trust in him, understand that God doesn't ever make mistakes, and that he will guide you through this. He will give you the abilities, all of these supernatural abilities we just listed. He'll give you the ability, whatever ability you need for that situation of your life, where you're at, that he will guide you through it, that he won't leave you or abandon you. He didn't bring you this far to fail, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and that his plan and his purpose are always good, they're always pleasing to him, and they're always perfect. So we can trust in that. We can trust that the God we serve is a perfect God. And that he never makes mistakes. And that we don't have to question him or second guess him like we do with our parents. Oftentimes with our parents, we want to question or second guess them, right? Are you taking good notes, Marie? Yes. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so we don't have to question God. We don't have to second guess him. Let him transform you. Let him change the way you think making you more like Christ each and every day. When we do this, we begin to learn what God's will is for our lives. So that's kind of where Paul is, is emphasizing for us, um, that we serve this perfect God. So we'll finish up, and we're going to go to, back to 1 Corinthians, but we're going to go to chapter 14. Because I, I do think when we talk about spiritual gifts, sometimes there's these defensive walls that go up. Ah, oh, this is weird. You know, this is odd. And a lot of it refers around the gift of tongues because that's a gift that's been overemphasized in the church. That There's some churches that teach if you don't have the gift of tongues, that you're not saved. But we just got done reading what Paul said about that. Not all of us can be a tongue. Some of us are eyes. Some of us are ears. So we don't all, we're not all one thing. So to say that if you don't have the gift of tongues, you're not saved, definitely does not follow the word of God. Um, and, well, let's just go to 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll see what God himself says about this gift of tongues. And I would say to you that, that Paul probably struggled with the same thing in his day. Um, and I'll explain more of that once we kind of read through these, these first few verses of chapter 14. So we just read through all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul identified many of the spiritual gifts, explained to us why we have them, um, which ones we're supposed to desire, we're supposed to desire the most helpful one for that situation. Um, all these different things that Paul's explained. But then he says, most importantly, when he goes into 13, which we didn't read, you have to have love. Without love, all these spiritual gifts are worthless. You could do all these things flawlessly, but without love, there is no... There's no point in them. Um, we serve the God of love. And, and they gave us that prime example by sacrificing his one and only son for our sins. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for, one, for one's friends. So God's given us the perfect example of love. Without love, none of these gifts are any good to us. Paul explains that in chapter 13. But here we get to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians and Paul is going to go specifically into the gift of tongues and compare that with the gift of prophecy. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting here in verse 1. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. So we should love first, and then we should also desire these special abilities, these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. So when you have the ability to speak in tongues, you're speaking to God. You know, the language only God knows. You're not speaking to the church. That's a, a, a big, that's an important one 
important concept to understand. So continue on here in verse two, you will be a, you will be speaking by the power of the spirit, but it will all be mysterious. So let me read verse two again. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Continue on here in verse 4. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy, prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more I wish you could all prophesy, for prophecy is the great is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what is being said, unless someone interprets what you are saying, so that the whole church will be strengthened. So Paul makes it very clear here, in chapter fourteen, that the most desirable gift should be the gift of prophecy, not this gift of tongues. And I think Paul probably had different churches that were struggling with the same thing. People would overemphasize this gift of tongues. And Paul clears this up, I think, very plainly here, that the most desirable gift is the gift of prophecy. And I would say to you, the reason Paul says that is that there, you can't fake the gift of prophecy. You either prophesy and it comes true or it doesn't. And God makes that very clear in the Old Testament, that if someone were to claim to be a prophet um, and, and it were not to come true, that you were to stone that person, that God took it very seriously. So you can't fake the gift of prophecy. God's either given you a prophetic word to speak and it comes to pass because all of God's prophecies come to pass or they don't. Um, and, but you can fake this gift of tongues, I would say. And I think many people do that. Um, and, and they get together and they plan this out. I'm going to do this and then you come up with this interpretation. And we're told here that, that the gift of tongues is to edify God. We're speaking directly to God. So when someone speaks in tongues and another person gives this interpretation and it says, this is a word of God to you people, that's not true. That's not what's going on here. The, the gift of tongues is to edify God. We're speaking praises to God in an unknown language. So we just want to take a minute to clear that up because I think there is some, some tension around this and some confusion around this and... Number one, God doesn't do weird. So when something weird happens, it's not from God. God is very um, orderly, very structured, uh, very um, methodical, and his ways are always perfect. So God doesn't make mistakes. So the most desirable gift, if you're going to desire a gift, is the gift of prophecy, not the gift of tongues, like many do. But we've read through... And we have that long list of what all the gifts that we just listed off are. And God will give each of us the gift that we need for that situation. And we should be asking him for help. And that's the main purpose of this. And when God brings us to a situation that's bigger than us, that's more than we can handle, that's um, something we're not equipped to handle, that we should be quick to go to God. God, please help me in this situation. Please give me your words to speak. Please give me a heart for those who are lost. Please give me... Um, your gift um, to be generous in this situation, even though it's not easy for me. Please give me your gift to serve others, to sacrifice my time, my talent, my treasure. Um, help me in this area that you've called me to, that you've put me in this situation that's bigger than me, and I need help. And that's what we're to do. We're to go to God and ask him for help, and that he will help us with the most desirable gift at that time, in that moment, that he knows where we're at, he knows what he's called us to do, and that he is ready to equip us for all that he's called us to do. There's nothing he'll call us to that we can't do without him. There's many things that he calls us to that we can't do without him, but with him, all things are possible. So with that, that's where we end today. I did not do very good on the slides, Kylie. You got way behind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
I made that logo. Good job. Do you have, do you have some questions? Do you have questions? No, 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 no. no. Oh. I was just stretching. Do you have questions? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So, reverse Christmas, can, I know, speaking, like, I know tongues, like, speaking something, but I don't know what it is. Like. The gift of tongues. Speaking in tongues. Yeah, It's speaking in an unknown language, and it's a language that, that only God knows. And it, it edifies him. You're speaking <laughs> praises to God. And that there's an, if there's going to be, and we could do a more in-depth study, and that would probably be like a whole Sunday study on the gift of tongues. But a lot of people will do this because they're after the praises of men and not the praise of God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if I come across as I have this gift of tongues, this real, I'm really connected with God and, and, and I use this gift and look how spiritual I am, you know, look how close a relationship with God I have, look how, um, how much God is using me or whatever that is, people will use that. So they use this gift of tongues to speak in this unknown language. And I've only heard it twice that was legitimate. I've heard it many other times in my life and it it's just weird. But twice that it's legitimate. If someone does have the gift of tongues, it is controllable. It's not this uncontrollable thing. Remember, God is very neat and orderly in everything he does. So a lot of times in churches that overemphasize this gift of tongues, you'll have a pastor who's up teaching. So he's been given this gift by God of the role of pastor and teacher, and he's teaching, right? So that's God teaching through this person, through this man. Well, God is not going to interrupt himself, right? So God is, is working through this man. So in this church service, if someone step, stands up and starts speaking in tongues, this unknown language that nobody understands, well, then God is interrupting himself because this man was teaching, right, a Bible study. And now this person over here is speaking in tongues. And now you have a third person over here that's giving this interpretation. Oh, this, this is the message from the Lord. Well, God's interrupted himself three times in that setting. No, God doesn't do that. God is very neat and orderly and perfect in everything he does. So people overemphasize this gift and people will use this gift to get attention and praise of other men. Oh, he has the gift of tongues. He's very supernatural. He's very spiritual, right? You hear that word a lot. So that's what it is. Then why is it a gift? Oh, that is a good question. So it is a gift. It's a gift that, that we use to, to edify God. Um, and it's a gift that I don't have. So I can't explain to you from personal experience, but from what I understand, people use it in their prayer time, um, on their, when they're, you know, we're told to, to get away, to spend time by yourself with God. And during that time, they'll use that gift to praise to God, right? In, in an unknown language, in the language that the Spirit knows. And it's just glorifying and edifying to God. And it strengthens that person's relationship with God. But that's a private thing that happens, right? That's in their prayer closet. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie The War Room. She's in her prayer closet praying. Remember that movie? So that's something they're doing in privately, not necessarily publicly. Um, so. Okay. And then my next question is, next time are we going to be Are you? Uh, no. So if we continue on in Romans, we will be reading Romans chapter 12, verse 9 is where we'll start. Okay, but 1 Corinthians chapter... Yep, you could read ahead. That would be good. So we'll continue on next week, Romans 12, verse 9. So you could read through that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a great one to read too, though. It's all about love. It explains the importance of love. That would be good. That would be good. Is that all you have for questions? Yeah. No. No more questions on the gift of tongues? No. no. You? Do you have any questions? No. We're good? Okay. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time together to learn more about you, more about who you are, more about how you use us, how you... Um, 
work through us in situations that we find impossible. But with you, everything is possible. I'm thankful for the ways that you strengthen our faith in you, the ways that you lead us and guide us. You would give each one of us the measure of faith that we need to follow you wholeheartedly, to serve you with everything we are, our body, our mind, our strength, our soul, everything that we have, that we would use it to serve you. I ask that you would guide us um, this week, that you would open the doors you want us to walk through and you would close the ones that you don't, that you would um, open up those divine appointments to speak about your son Jesus and about the work that he's done in our lives to those around us, that you would um, just guide us, give us the words to speak, give us the situations, give us the gifts that we need for that moment, in that time, the ones that are most helpful in that situation. Lord, I ask you would continue to bring healing to Matt's knees. You would continue to bring healing to Bonnie. That you would guide the doctors for this next surgery. That you would give them wisdom. That you would you know, just guide their hands. That you would continue to watch over Christina. And you'd guide the doctors um, in their treatment for her heart. And, and guide their hands. I ask you would watch over all those in the PTSD and the EMDR counseling, that you would give them strength, that you would give them patience, that you would give them wisdom that can only come from you. I ask you would watch over Ming, that you would give him guidance, that you would open the doors you want him to walk through and close the ones that you don't. And I ask you would continue to watch over our friends and family in Albuquerque and in Collins, Iowa, that you would come alongside them, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that you would comfort them in a way that only you can. I just ask you to give us the right words to speak. That you would continue to watch over the sheriff's department and the police department here locally. That you would protect them physically, but also protect them spiritually. Um, and that you would continue to guide us, guide us in a church so we can come alongside um, in Uganda or wherever that may be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.